Welcome to the Hornets Hivecast, presented by Charlotte Eye, Ear, Nose, and Throat Associates, the official eye, ear, nose, and throat care provider of the Charlotte Hornets. Here's your host, Sam Farber. Welcome to another edition of the Hornets Hivecast, your Hornets podcast with all the notes, quotes, and daily buzz around your favorite NBA team. I'm Sam Farber, and it is a pleasure and a privilege to have you with us here once again on the Hornets Hivecast, brought to you by Senta, Charlotte Eye, Ear, Nose, and Throat Associates, the official eye, ear, nose, and throat care provider of the Charlotte Hornets. It's a Silver Linings edition of the HHC. Hornets falling to the Houston Rockets, 138-104, to dropping the overall record now to 10 and 33. Certainly a frustrating loss. A couple of things went into it. We'll break it down for you. Select our Silver Linings players for you. And it is night two of a back-to-back coming up tonight. So we've got a game preview as well as the Hornets prepare to host the Utah Jazz first meeting between these two sides this season. Helping me on all these topics, he's my producer on the Hornets Radio Network, as well as the producer here of the Hornets Hivecast, Rob Longo, with us once again. Rob, thanks as always for joining me. A a frustrating game, to be honest, here for Charlotte, taking on Houston. Uh, Hornets were coming back home. A long stretch of home games tipping off last night, and uh, Charlotte still somewhat shorthanded, but healthier relative to what we had seen earlier in the season. Charlotte got even more shorthanded as the game went on due to foul trouble, but put themselves in a position with a strong second half to get a win. Unfortunately, uh, the second half was anything but strong for the side as they were outscored 83-51 to by the victorious in the end Houston Rockets yeah that's a pretty good summarization of things and the crazy thing about it too and I'm sure this got to be a franchise record for Houston if it's not I'd be really inclined to figure out when it happened but the Rockets shoot 75 percent from the field there in that second half they were 15 to 20 in both the third and the fourth quarter so they finished what I'm not great at math but that's 30 for 40 from the field that's pretty darn good give credit where credit's due but a lot of that stuff was easy buckets and Houston getting to the free throw line as well. The Rockets went 12 of 14 at the line into the third quarter, and I don't even know how many end ones there were in that frame, but there had to be a good chunk of them for Houston because the Hornets just had so many fouls that were very unnecessary too. I mean, defenders were getting blown past, and guys were reaching in at the last second, and it's just, we just got to let them go and that sort of thing. And I know a lot of it was out of frustration and that sort of thing, but it wasn't the officiating that ruined this game for the Hornets. It was just basically silly fouls that they committed. I mean, you had guys that got into foul trouble early. You had Brandon Miller that had three fouls in the first about, what, eight minutes of the game, so he had to sit the entire second quarter. LaMelo Ball sat the entire second quarter with two fouls as well, and then he picks up his third 51 seconds into the third quarter and then picked another one up about a minute and a half later for his fourth. So when there's such a razor-thin margin of error for this team, and then all of a sudden you basically have two starters who were already out of the game in Gordon Hayward and Mark Williams, you add on basically two more for that second quarter where Charlotte's basically playing with a bunch of reserves because four guys are out, whether it's injury or foul trouble. It's really difficult, and you give credit where credit's due. The Hornets did a really good job in that second quarter. They stayed even with Houston. They were only down two going into the locker room at halftime, but just 44 points in that third quarter is way, way, way too many. And obviously at that point you're down 21 going into the fourth and that's basically curtains at that point you don't really have that much of a chance to come back in the fourth quarter you got to play perfect and 
Obviously, Houston comes out. They shoot seven of eight to start the fourth quarter from three, and that was basically it. Yeah, it, it felt like the dam really broke in the second half, and and you're you're right to point out Charlotte did play well in the second quarter and under very adverse circumstances from the start of the game. No Mark Williams, no Gordon Hayward. That was not unexpected. Both have been out for a little while here uh, with longer term injuries. Hopefully, uh, we'll have updates on them in the not too distant future. But they 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 were not going to be playing last night, and that was well known. So certainly not a surprise. But you're down two starters at the tip, and to start the second quarter, you're down two more because LaMelo Ball was in foul trouble with two fouls, and Brandon Miller was in foul trouble with three fouls, and yet Charlotte managed to survive that second quarter. They uh, played the Houston Rockets even. Actually, they played them better than even. They they should have won that second quarter. It was a, a last-second shot from the Rockets that ended up evening the score and giving them a two-point lead heading into the locker room, but all things considered, Hornets had played well, and then at the start of the third quarter, not only did Houston make a couple of shots, but they picked up a couple more fouls on LaMelo Ball and Brandon Miller. They both end up with four fouls at that point, have to sit the remainder of the third quarter, and I think that really pushed it over the edge. Rockets come away with 138 to 104 victory. Here is Hornets forward PJ Washington on what went awry last night from the Hornets, in his opinion. Well, that's frustrating because uh, we can't really blame the rest for the way we play. We basically uh, just let them get whatever they want in the second half. Obviously, we played a good first half, and then in the third quarter, to at the beginning, they ran off a, uh, a couple of shots and got up 12, and it just was uh, bad basketball from there. So we got to do a better job of being professionals and being ready to play a whole game. I like the accountability that uh, PJ talked about there from focusing inwards. Yes, there are going to be frustrating calls in the moment, and certainly there were some for the Hornets last night. That Not so much the volume of calls, because it was a lot of whistles for both teams, but the focus of it on particular players, that really hurt the Hornets. It's Even though there was a, a near-equal number of fouls on the other time, not exactly, but near-equal, it's not as if they were all focused on... Jalen Green or Fred Van Vliet or Alperin Shengun. They were pretty well spread out throughout the roster, whereas the Hornets' top two scorers uh, over the last handful of games coming into that one, Brandon Miller and LaMelo Ball, both had severe foul trouble, and that really hurt the Hornets uh, overall in last night's game. 138-104, to 104, the final score. We still have silver linings to select, and we'll do that next here on the Hornets Hivecast. I mean, Miles is like 20.6 at night. He's super consistent. He plays every night. He plays huge minutes. He guards primary scorers. I mean, I'm not sure we can expect him to do a lot more than he's doing. I think really what we need from him is what he's been doing. There's not many guys that could be doing what he's doing right now as an as a all-around game. Plus, he plays every possession. His energy level and just natural competitive spirit is through the roof. You have to be realistic, too. I mean, we look... We need those guys, those four guys are going to have to play pretty well every night. And then we have other guys who are capable of having enough so that we can win. But we have to play, you know, smart and well with the right intensity and the right concentration. Hornets head coach Steve Clifford after last night's loss, 138-104, to talking about Miles Bridges in particular and then the roster in general about what they need moving forward. I thought, Sam Farber, Rob Longo, by the way, here with you on the Hornets Sivecast. I thought the, the comments were pretty much on the money there. You know, Miles has had an outstanding season statistically. Uh, he's averaging 20-plus points per game, over seven rebounds per night. And on top of that, with all the injuries, there's not as much relief as there should be be in terms of, okay, if someone wants to double Miles Bridges, 
that just spreads out the floor and you've got two or three other options. There's a lot of lineups where you know we're watching the floor and there's at least two guys who are, are maybe not a threat from three or they're not a, a high-volume scorer or rarely a high-volume scorer. And it just it, it's not to say that you can't defend those guys because you have to – or they, it's not to say that you don't have to defend those guys because you can't leave someone wide open in the NBA. They will make you pay for it. But it is to say that you can slide coverages – towards a player like Miles Bridges, double, triple team him every time he touches the ball and make his life as difficult as you can. And yet, Miles Bridges just continues to post 20-point performance after 20-point performance. Last night was his fifth in a row. He also knocked down a couple of threes, tied Glenn Rice for the seventh most threes in franchise history, now up to 508. Is it enough to make him a silver linings performer? Let's find out. Rob Longo, who you got? Personally, not for me. I'm going to go with a guy that just continues to be consistent since he's came back the other night. That's Nick Richards. Mellow ball takes the inbounds pass around the Nick Richards screen. Lamelo with the lob for Richards who throws down the slam. That's what the buzz is all about. Lamelo ball continuing to carve up defenses with these assists for Lamelo. That's now three helpers. So Nick Richards, I mean, the last two games since he's come back from that ankle injury has been phenomenal. I don't know how many guys have set career high marks coming off of an injury. Usually we see guys having to round into form. It takes a couple games at least, but goes for a career high 21 points Wednesday against Detroit. Obviously not enough in that one. And then he sets another career high last night for free throws in a quarter. He goes 8 for 10 from the free throw line in the second quarter. He finishes the game 8 for 11. But Nick, 14 points last night, 7 rebounds. He finished with 3 blocks as well. I feel like this is just a completely different team when you have a true center out there. And I know that they hadn't had one for a handful of games because Nick was out. Mark Williams has obviously been out for an extended period of time now, unfortunately. But with at least one true center out there, you're able to really modify your game. You're able to run more pick and rolls with a guy like Nick Richards who can run to the rim. And that's not to say P.J. Washington can't do that in a small ball five setup, but it's a lot easier when you have a seven-footer out there than a guy like P.J. who's, what, 6'9", 6'10", something like that. But, you know, now you still have P.J. as a pick-and-pop situation, too. Miles Bridges can pick-and-pop as well. So it just adds so many different layers to your offense when you have a true rim runner out there. And it definitely helps out on defense, too, because the center's the one that's got to call everything out. He's that backline defense. He sees everything in front of him. It's almost like a catcher in baseball where they're facing the rest of the field and everybody's facing him, and he can see things that other guys can't. So it's just kind of nuances like that that go maybe a little bit under the radar when you don't have a true center in there. So Nick Richards just continues to be my silver lining performer for the last handful of games now, and he's just really just continuing to build off of it and building on that consistency. Well, I'm concerned about your handful because he's only played two, so do you have you have more than two fingers, yes? I don't know. Okay. I can't count. <laughs> You're the math miner. It's two handfuls, I guess. Uh, so two hands rather than five fingers because he's played two of the last five. But yeah, no, I, I think it's a good point. I think Nick Richards, look, a career high and made free throws last night. He actually had it in one quarter. He made enough free throws in one quarter to qualify for a career high. Uh, 14.7 rebounds, Plus minus was clearly positive with him on the floor in the first half, and clearly it was bad for everyone in the second half. So uh, I, I I like the pick. I'll be honest though, I thought you were going with Miles Bridges, so I went a little off the beaten path. Again, flowers to Miles Bridges, a, a solid game, fifth straight of twenty or more. He's tied Glenn Rice on the all-time three-point leaderboard. But I'm going to go off the beaten path. I'm going to go with someone who played 
entirely his time at the end of the game. That's Bryce McGowan's. Bryce finished with eight points last night uh, in about seven minutes of play, three for five from the field, two for two from the free throw line. The reason I bring him up is because you know we're at a, a point with the injuries that you know Charlotte is certainly down a couple of starters, and so that's opened up some more room at the end of the rotation, and we're seeing players come and go. And, and it's not a game-to-game thing where someone is going to play badly one night in their one opportunity and fall out or play well one night in their one opportunity and stay in. The stabs just don't work that way. There's going to be more trends. But by playing well in certain situations, you can at least improve your overall uh, rhythm, let's call it, out there on the floor and put yourself in a better position to capitalize on your minutes when they come. Bryce McGowan's has not been a permanent fixture in the rotation, but he's been one a good stretch of this season, and there's solid reason to believe that he's going to get back up there again. He'd had a run of somewhat, you know, sub his standard games in terms of shooting effort. Last night's one where he shot the ball pretty well, uh, had a good mid range game, did a good job taking it to the rim. I think he got himself back in rhythm with that one. So I don't know for certain that Bryce McGowan's is going to get into the rotation tomorrow. I'm pretty confident he's going to get back into it at some point. So I think last night was important for him, get his rhythm, start playing you know some some more downhill game in terms of his personal offense and whenever he's inserted back into the rotation I think he's going to uh, be able to piggyback off this effort last night and be able to hopefully have that domino effect into some more strong performances in the rotation maybe as soon as tonight because the Hornets get to bounce right back they're going to host the Utah Jazz tonight at Spectrum Center tickets are available at Hornets.com game two of a four game homestand we'll preview it for you next here on the Hornets Ivecast. Sam Farber, Rob Longo here with you on the Hornets Hivecast brought to you by Senta, Charlotte Eye, Ear, Nose, and Throat Associates, the official Eye, Ear, Nose, and Throat Care provider of the Charlotte Hornets. Hornets are now 10-33 and 33 on the season. They'll be hosting the 23-23 and 23 Utah Jazz tonight at Spectrum Center. Tickets are still available. Come join us at the Hive Tip Set for 7 p.m. Rob, we got a preview tonight's game. Hornets, they get the benefit of being able to, you know, just kind of wash this one out of their mind and, and jump right back into the fray and hopefully put it behind them and put another one in the win column tonight hosting the Utah Jazz. We need players to watch from both teams as well as a stat to watch. Not a lot of time to examine things here, so let me know who you think, who you want to start with. Yeah, let's just begin with an overall, I guess, uh, primer for this one. Utah, obviously, 23-23 and 23 coming into this one. Hornets just haven't had success against Utah for the last handful of years. I say this one accurately using the word handful here because Charlotte's (laughs) lost 10 of its last 11 against Utah. The only win came back in the 2021-2022 season. It snapped an eight-game skid at that point. But unfortunately, Jazz have a rest advantage going into this one. Played Thursday against the Wizards, one in our nation's capital, 123-108. Had six players in double figures, and one of them was Laurie Markkinen. He's going to be my Jazz player to watch here. Had a game-high 29 points. I feel like, for whatever reason, I mean, maybe this is the East Coast bias in me, but I feel like Utah kind of gets lost in the shuffle out there in a Western Conference that's just so loaded with teams like Denver and Phoenix and Golden State and all of those kind of guys. I feel like Utah kind of gets left out of the wash a little bit and you kind of realize at the last second whenever you're playing, I'm like, oh, this isn't a bad Jazz team. Like, they got some pieces on there. They got some guys that, you know, have had success on other teams and Laurie Markkinen certainly fits that mold with Chicago, with Cleveland, and now, of course, with Utah as well. I want to say he was an all-star last year, was he not? He was. Yeah, so, I mean, he's had some success out there and I know that his name continues to pop up in trade rumors and, and those sort of 
of things, and that's going to be a hard sell when you have a guy that was an all-star a year ago who's going to require a King's ransom to peel him away from the Jazz and, and their future plans as well. But, I mean, they're still in the playoff picture. They're still in that play-in tournament picture with a 500 record. But Lori Markkinen just seems to be that guy that continues to haunt the Hornets a little bit, even if he's on the West Coast or the Western Conference, I should say. So he's going to be my player to watch tonight. I'm not mad at it at all. He was a deserving all-star last year, and uh, you know he's, he's somewhat on the edge, kind of in the same neighborhood, I would say, as like an Alperin Shengun, who we saw last night for Houston, that his stats are the strongest of his team, and sometimes at that outer edge of the all-star roster, it's as much a team reward as it is a player reward. Uh, that is to say, if your team is solidly in the playoffs and someone you're close to statistically is well outside of it, you're going to get the nod because your team's playing better because of your strong play uh, rather than in spite of it. I think there's a chance Laurie Markkinen makes it back to the long and the short of it. Uh, so solid pick there for player to watch for Utah. I'm going to go off the bench here typically at least, and I'm going to go with Jordan Clarkson. I think he's back in the role that best suits him. Started the year as a starter, uh, had a, a two-week absence uh, mid-season or midway at this stage of the season. When it's all said and done, it'll be about a third of the way in the season. In any case, he's now come back to his off-the-bench role, which I, I think is maybe an ideal one for him only because he's a former six-man of the year, and, and he's shown a great ability to score in volume off the bench. He's got a 30-point game off the bench. Actually, a couple of of them already this season, and what, including one on this road trip that the Jazz are on. They're in the midst of a six-game road trip. They're halfway through it right now. The Hornets don't necessarily have a scorer off the bench who consistently scores at this level, and I think Jordan Clarkson's presence maybe forces someone to have to rise to that occasion or it puts a lot of pressure on the starters to do so. And that's the that's the thing that makes players like Clarkson, like in previous generations, the Crawfords and the Lou Williams, such dangerous weapons because it's not just that they are replacing scoring that should come from the starters. It's that whatever the margin is when the starters leave the floor, they start to make that rotation. This person can turn things up a notch and really slide things to their side's favor. So Clarkson's that kind of player. He's also a former Mitch Kupchak draft pick, if I'm not mistaken. He was originally taken by the Lakers. So uh, Mitch knows talent when he sees it. He saw it in Jordan Clarkson. He's going to be my player to watch off the bench tonight, most likely, for Utah. Next up, stat to watch or Hornet to watch. Let's sandwich a stat in here in between the players to watch. And for me, it's going to be the rebounding. The Hornets just got decimated on the boards last night against a Houston team that is pretty solid rebounding wise. But again, the disparity is just almost absurd. 42 to 27 in favor of the Rockets. It's very rare that the Hornets get out rebounded by that kind of margin. And unfortunately for Charlotte, it doesn't get any easier going up against a very, very lengthy and a very, very tall Utah team here tonight. They usually grab about 50 53% of their boards. That's good for second in the NBA. They are very, very good at cleaning up the glass, and a lot of that also comes on the offensive end, and I don't want to bleed into any other potential stats to watch, but I will say that they are first and second chance point opportunities, so I guess that kind of encompasses the rebounding a little bit as well. So, just got to be a little bit more physical than those guys, especially on the defensive glass. You got to limit them to one and dones where you can, and that's just going to be Really difficult to do against a very good rebounding team here tonight against Utah, but the rebounding is going to be crucial for both sides in this one.
Well, I'm going to stick with a, a big man dominated stat, but it's a slightly different one. And it has more to do with just overall energy and intensity, which I don't think the Hornets lacked for last night. But I think they have had some games where it's just truly gone to another level and it's helped surge them to wins. And that is block shots. Block shots are kind of an energy play. It's a rhythm play for a lot of teams and a lot of players. And the Hornets, some of their best games have come when they're you know hunting shots and, and trying to block shots and with their starting center right now being Nick Richards. It's something he excels at being top 20 in the NBA in blocks this year. So I uh, did some digging, a couple of numbers here on the Jazz that stand out as, as things that when they struggle with it, they tend to lose. And to be honest, they don't always line up with a strength for the Hornets, but this one kind of does. The Jazz are 0-5 this year when their opponent blocks 10 or more shots. 10's a lot. It's only happened three times for Team Teal, but in Two of those occasions, the Hornets won, and in all three of those occasions, Nick Richards was at the heart of it. So this is something he does better than most centers. Starting relief doesn't matter in the NBA to begin with. He's going to have a head-to-head matchup here against Utah where you know you look at the Jazz roster and there is a lot of size. Uh, Laurie Markinen, you know, first and foremost, comes to mind at that power forward center position, but he's a, a player on the perimeter. John Collins is a smaller in terms of overall height power forward slash center that offers up an opportunity maybe for Nick Richards to time it right and get a shot block that is to say he's not having to block someone who's three or four inches taller than him like Boban Marjanovic for instance even though he could block Boban Marjanovic for for that matter too um you know just given the way the, the roster looks right now and the health situation looks for Utah going into this one I think this is an opportunity for Nick Richards to supply some of that energy block some shots PJ Washington to block some shots and if the Hornets can hit that 10 number uh, watch out because that's bad for Utah and that's good for Charlotte. And hopefully that number comes into play here tonight at Spectrum Center. Last but not least, a Hornet to watch. I think this one's pretty easy. Well, there's a couple you can go from based off of the results of last night's game. For me, I'm going to go with Brandon Miller expecting a bounce back game. Again, only two for eight shooting last night from the field, one for three beyond the arc. He only had five points and he had four fouls. And a lot of the reasons why he ended up only scoring five points in a game and just having really no rhythm in the contest is because he got into foul trouble early. He had those three fouls in the first quarter with about 350 left to go in that first frame. He had to go to the bench, and we didn't see him again until the third quarter, and then all of a sudden he picks up his fourth foul at the 814 mark of the third quarter. So he ends up going in foul trouble again. He played through it, which was good. That was promising, but unfortunately at that point, it was a little too late because, again, Houston put up 44 points there in that third quarter, but he was able to play the majority of his minutes afterwards clean. He didn't pick up another foul the rest of the day, but, again, you just can't get into foul trouble early because Steve Clifford recognizes that and wants to save those guys for the second half more times than not. There's times where I've watched a game and I've seen a guy pick up his second foul with maybe, I don't know, six minutes left in the first quarter, and that's automatic yank. He's automatically going to the bench till at least the second quarter, if not for the rest of the half, because Steve Clifford wants those guys available in crunch time at the end of the game in the fourth quarter. And unfortunately, with LaMelo Ball getting in foul trouble last night, with Brandon Miller getting in foul trouble, those guys weren't around for crunch time last night because the game was already out of hand. And a lot of that had to do with just the inability to be available at that time out there on the floor. So Brandon Miller is going to be my player to watch tonight. I think he just does a better job bouncing back from this one. Better shooting day, better job staying out of foul trouble. Hopefully, because, again, there's a lot of size on that Utah team that can maybe get him in a little bit of trouble. But 
all in all, Brandon Miller is going to have to have a bounce back game for the Hornets to have an opportunity in this one tonight. I like the pick. Brandon Miller was on an outstanding run, uh, a stat that was supplied to me from Bouncing Bill, as he's known, the stat man for the Hornets TV crew, Bill McGrath, that is, was that the the run, the statistical run for Brandon, some of the breakdowns, points, rebounds, made threes, shooting percentages that he had had over that previous four-game stretch were not just the best for a Hornets rookie, but for any Hornets player in the 35-year history of the team, which is very hard to believe because there's been some outstanding players, but that's, I guess, how well he was running for those four games. Hopefully, he snaps right back into it here tonight. I'm going to go to P.J. Washington as my player to watch, uh, mostly because he falls into line with everything else I was talking about. I said uh, the Utah Jazz player to watch for me was Jordan Clarkson coming off the bench. All likelihood, P.J. Washington will continue to come off the bench if there's someone in the Hornets reserves who's most likely to equal on this particular night what Clarkson routinely provides in terms of six-man scoring. It would be P.J. Washington. If there's someone most likely to assist in the block shot area to get the Hornets somewhere around 10, it would be P.J. Washington. And furthermore, I just feel like P.J. Uh, is in a position where he probably needs to be a little bit more assertive looking for his shot. Uh, P.J. more often than not is in double figures for shot attempts. And this is an important distinction here. There's a difference between points and shot attempts. Points is an indicator of how well you shot and how well you played on a particular night. But shot attempts oftentimes just shows where you are on the squad because you're trying to flow shots towards certain guys. LaMelo Ball should take the majority of the shots in any game the Hornets play in. Brandon Miller should probably be number two or three. Miles Bridges should be in the top three as well. After that, the next guy is probably P.J. Washington. And for whatever reason, some of it's injury because he was inactive for three of these, but in the last 10 games, P.J. Washington has only taken 10 or more shots one time. And in the previous, what is it, 33 games or so, he had done that I would say about 65% of the time, which is probably about right. There's nights if he's just not shooting it well, he should probably put the clamp on it and let someone else take those attempts. But he's a good shooter. He's proven to be. He's gotten a contract because of it. So uh, I think this is a game here where for a lot of reasons, P.J. Washington can be instrumental in getting the Hornets where they want to be. I think they need him to take a, a, a larger share of the shots for this one tonight and certainly needs to knock them down for the Hornets to have their best chance against the Utah Jazz as the Hornets seek a bounce-back victory on night two of a back-to-back. We will have it covered for you no matter how it pans out tomorrow with a recap edition of the HHC, and we'll uh, be breaking down whatever takes place tonight in terms of Hornets versus Jazz. Rob Longo, thanks as always for joining me here on the Hornets Hivecast. Pleasure as always. Hopefully I have a voice left after that one for the podcast coming up tomorrow. I'm sure you will. We'll make do, we'll make it work, and uh, we'll look forward to talking to all of you tomorrow for another edition of the HHC. Till then, with thanks to Rob Longo and to all of you for tuning in, I'm Sam Farber saying it's been a pleasure and a privilege having you along. We'll talk to you next time right here on the Hornets Hivecast. Thank you for listening to the Hornets Hivecast, brought to you by Senta, the official eye, ear, nose, and throat care provider of the Charlotte Hornets. For more coverage, visit Hornets.com.